Welcome to News Talking. This is uh, D.G. Martin, and I want to talk about politics. And for me, the best people to talk about politics with me are Carter Wren, political consultant in Raleigh, and Gary Pierce, political consultant in Raleigh. Uh, they're good friends, but they're, they're, um, they've grown up on the opposite sides of the political fence and uh, have fought uh, violently, first of all, in the first in the first time that uh, Jim Hunt ran against uh, Jesse Helms uh, for the U.S. Senate seat. And I think they were at each other's throats quietly during the campaign. And now they reminisce about it like the Confederate veterans did 50 years after the end of the Civil War. Uh, Carter, welcome. What are you up to these days? Well, uh, I'm still doing a little politics and uh, doing a lot of reading. And You're doing writing. Aren't you going to write a book? I have written a memoir back during COVID. A friend in New York who loves swapping political stories called me. He was locked down. And uh, we'd talk about politics and tell stories. And he said, well, you got to put all that in a memoir. And so I started working on it, and I didn't finish it for three years. But I've just finished it, and now I'm trying to figure out the publishing world, which seems just about as tormented as politics. It's a, it's a strange world, and if you learn how to navigate it, please help me get, <laughs> get in the... Uh, it, may, it may take me years to figure it out. I would just, I mean, my only advice to authors is uh, don't be afraid of having the best editor you can find to go over it. And uh, so you don't want your, as you send it to the publisher, you don't want them to be taking pot shots at you about your grammar. And Well, my friend in New York who years ago worked for Gary, uh, was a publisher at one of the, you know, big New York publishing houses. So he did a lot of stuff with the book. He made a lot of suggestions and changes and that sort of thing. And I don't mind that because, you know, when you're writing a book, you get lost in the flow of it. And sometimes you need somebody to say, well, you need to clear that up. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think as many people as you can get to help you with that. I, Y'all are both better writers and communicators than I am, but um, I'm embarrassed at at the mistakes that I make in the things that I write and how lucky I am to have people who will read it and tell me honestly what I need to change. Uh, Gary, what are you've already written your book? Are you writing another one too? Well, it's a great thing. The way I write is just a never-ending process. DG, I think I'll, when I die, I'll be finished. And, and and probably I need to wait to publish it till a whole lot of other people die, too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm doing a lot of writing. I don't, unlike Carter, I don't do any politics anymore except to offer free advice to people, and I offer it freely. And um, as you said, we have resumed doing our blog together, talking about politics. And I enjoy that. I spend a lot of time on it because there sure is a lot to talk about politics today. I think we're in a really for those people an, who, an interesting and scary time. Yeah, it is. Uh, when we'll get to those times in a minute. But what? Uh, how can anyone who would like to get the blog, which 
I, I think you're writing more than Carter right now, but both of you are uh, contributing your wisdom to this common blog, talkingaboutpolitics.com. Is that about right? That's the name of it, and you can actually go there and you can sign up to get uh, emails whenever we post something. Um, or you can email either one of us, and we are, we're happy to put you on our list. We kind of, we sort of vary. I, we go through hot and cold spells. Um, Carter will write every day for a while, and I'll go fallow, and then we'll reverse. So we've always got something up there, new and fresh, I hope. Let's talk about politics a little bit. And first of all, I'm interested in in your thoughts, uh, Carter. You you're a Republican, I guess, still, and you're looking at the upcoming governor's race in North Carolina. It looks like the Republicans are going to have a primary. Uh, you got at least three credible candidates. What could you assess them for us? And tell us if you've if you've made a decision about who you're going to support. I have not. Um, you know, it's sort of a wide open field. Um, a lot of the, uh, I don't know, so-called pundits are feeding stuff to the press saying Mark Robinson is overwhelmingly popular. But I don't think that's right. I think he's fairly uh typically known like a lieutenant governor he's got a little name id but not a ton and i think it's a pretty frail image nobody knows a lot about him uh you know in polls dg you ask a question what do you like most about uh mark robinson what do you like least and people can't tell you much and that's a sign that it's it's pretty shallow and hollow and whoever can talk to people the most is probably going to have a pretty good shot at winning that primary. Who are the other candidates? Right now, uh, Dale Falwell, the state treasurer, and Mark Walker, the former congressman from Greensboro. And they both got a little name ID, but not a lot. But I think the big difference is that... Um, Robinson is sort of like a, one of this new breed of showman. You know, he he postures, carries on a lot, and that gets him some publicity. And some people like that. But I think that most people today, they look at politics and they see these showmen like Trump or Robinson, and then they see the typical politicians. I would put Biden in that category. And they don't really like either one. Uh, they don't like Republican politicians. They don't like Democrat politicians. And they don't like showmen on either side. And they're really looking for uh, somebody to come along. They say, yeah, that guy's got some sense and can solve problems. Well, it, it, just as an outsider's look at that Mark Robinson is, is uh, another uh, Donald Trump except Mark is is black and has that experience of growing up black and being able to maybe reach across racial lines uh, more than some of the white politicians can. Well, I don't think, I think Trump uh, is fairly clever. I don't think Robinson is. And if you look at Robinson, 
you know, about a couple of months ago, he completely changed his modus operandi. For the first couple of years he was in office, it was all showmanship. It was uh, bashing and strutting and posturing. And now he's starting to, if you read him on Facebook or Twitter, I love veterans. I, you know, I love Memorial Day. I love D-Day. He sounds more like a politician every day. Mm-hmm. What about the other two candidates? Um, you know, I think for both of them, the, the Falwell is, is, I think, a nice guy and an honest guy. Uh, Walker was, you know, sort of somebody that stumbled into politics and got elected to Congress. And I think the question with either of them is, a, will they be able to raise enough money uh, to become known? It's, it's just a, a, a sad fact in politics. You got to have money or you don't go anywhere. And um, the second thing is it's just how capable they are. And that's sort of an unknown in both of those cases. I mean, you know, when Dale got elected state uh, treasurer, it was just that the tides were running the Republicans' way. It wasn't, you know, he really, to run a statewide campaign costs millions of dollars. And what happens to down-ballot races like treasurer or lieutenant governor or most judgeships, nobody can raise that kind of money. So if it's a Republican year, Republicans win, and if it's a Democrat year, Democrats win, and that's the story. Now, the the candidates don't understand that. They tell themselves, God, I did it. I was wonderful. But, uh, you know, it's like Gary told me once in politics, in a campaign, you think you're getting a lot done, but the truth is you're like a frog on a log rolling down a river, watching the banks roll by, telling yourself, gosh, I'm winning this campaign, but it's not you, it's the river. Well, and I think with uh, most people in those positions, it comes down to which way the wind's blowing when they're running. And if it's blowing the Republican way, the Republicans win. Well, uh, you're sharing your cynical wisdom with us. I need to take a break and catch my breath, and then I want Gary Pierce to weigh in on uh, the comments uh, that you've made, Carter. Uh, Carter Wren and uh, Gary Pierce are both extraordinarily experienced and wise political consultants operating on different sides. They'll both be back after the short break. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin. I'm visiting with two of my favorite people, Gary Pierce and Carter Wren, both can, uh, political consultants, both pretty smart about politics and usually on different sides. So, Gary Pierce, you've heard Carter talk about the Republican prospects for governor. Uh, do you agree with what he said? Well, I, I certainly don't understand Republican politics the way Carter does. It looks to me like today's Republican Party uh, suits 
Mark Robinson to a T. Uh, I mean, I think if, uh, Trump has taken over the Republican Party. Nobody has figured out a way to dislodge him. He, he dominates everything. We saw that uh, when he was arraigned this week. He, he managed to almost turn it into a campaign rally. Um, so the, the, the expectation on our side is that Mark Robinson will be will be the candidate, and and more than that, that what really will be the issue in next year next year will be what we call MAGA world, make America great, Trump world, this um, kind of politics and government that that Trump and Mark Robinson have brought to the state and to the country. And, and Democrats are going to run against it. You know, not long ago, I talked to a friend of mine, a pollster, who's done a lot of work around the country in swing districts, including in North Carolina. And, and he said something that really struck me because he, um, he said for something like 30 years, Democrats have still been hypnotized by that famous sign, James Carville put up in the war room in the Clinton campaign in 1992. It's the economy, stupid. He said, next year, I don't think it's the economy. I, I think it's it's the way, it's freedom versus control. Uh, the Republican Party today seems to me, Carter, is very different from the Republican Party that, that you and Ronald Reagan were about, a, a, a limited government, a small government, well, you look in North Carolina, um, the, the legislature, the Republican legislature, is determined to control everything um, from abortion to what's taught at uh, university in Chapel Hill to what books are in the library to all kinds of things. And I think that is the dominant factor in American politics today. And North Carolina is probably the close, most closely divided state in, in the country. It was Biden's closest loss in 2020. And it looks like his campaign is going to target North Carolina. A lot of Democrats nationally think they've made a mistake chasing after Florida. They still may chase Florida. There may be something there. But, but North Carolina is the next big expansion target. Um, sort of like Nevada, New Mexico, Colorado, and, and Georgia have been in the last few elections. And, and I think that's going to play out next year. So the governor's race, every race, I think is going to play out on a national background. Um, and, and if it's Biden and Trump, Robinson and Josh Stein, and, and Rachel Hunt for lieutenant governor, and whoever on the Republican side, I think that issue of MAGA and Trump and Robinson and all they represent is going to dominate the debate. Which way is the state going to go? Well, I'm always an optimist. I um, I think there's a real reaction against Trump. I think there's a reaction against the abortion ban. Um, and, and I it was interesting to me this week, uh, Rachel Hunt, who, of course, I have, because I worked for her father for so long, still do, and I work for her, I guess, 
uh, her first ad of the campaign was all about abortion and and the difference it makes for women. And traditionally in North Carolina, Democrats have been kind of reluctant and wary of jumping on that issue. I mean, sort of, you know, the Bible Belt, uh, people uncomfortable talking about things like abortion. But with the Supreme Court last year knocking down Roe v. Wade, with the legislature passing a, it's, it's not just a 12-week ban, it's 47 pages of provisions <laughs> that go farther than that. And as Rachel said, the issue this year may be a 12-week ban. Next year, it'll be a total abortion ban. Um, Mark Robinson is on record as saying if it was up to him, he'd ban all abortions. So I think you're going to see that issue. But, but what that issue is really about is who decides. Do, does the pregnant woman decide or does a politician decide? And, and I think if Democrats frame it that way, it will affect a lot of issues. Um, what's taught in public school, there's sort of this whole culture war thing that you see from Ron DeSantis, you know, going, he's gone to war with, you know, Mickey Mouse over, you know, don't say gay at, at Disney World. I mean, is that really what we want government to be doing? I think that's that's the question. Well, it's I, a I, long I, way I, of getting around to your, your question, DJ. Yeah, go ahead. I think that's favorable. Democrats. You think there? You think that, that you know Carter uh, opened up by talking about rivers, and that the, you know that the what what really determines most elections is which way the and how fast the river is going and where it's going to, and the river you're saying is is uh, a democratic looks like it's a flowing in the Democrats' direction. Is that what you're saying? It, it is, and here's the thing. As much as you may not want it, when the history books are written, the chapter about this period is going to be the age of Trump. It's going to be how a, a, a reality TV star <laughs> who lies all the time managed to get elected president, not just that, but dominated politics so much. I mean, even out of office, most, most people, most presidents who were defeated disappear. Well, Trump did anything but, partly because of the way he went out the whole January 6th day. And now we've got this drama of him being charged with a federal crime over misusing classified information and, and putting the nation's security at risk. So he is still the dominant player in, in politics. And I think actually Biden, who's got some problems, but has a lot of strengths, I think one of the smartest things Biden does is just shut up and let Trump strut around the stage and show off because everybody gets tired of a show. I don't know how long The Apprentice lasted on television, but but no TV show. Yeah, Andy Griffith show lasted, what, nine years or something, you know? Um, I think people are getting tired of the Trump show, but I don't think Republicans can change the channel. Well, I'll tell you what, um, let's take a break and come back and let Carter respond to that. If you joined us late, uh, this is D.G. Martin. This is Who's Talking. My guests are Carter Wren and Gary Pierce. We're going to talk some more about politics 
when we, when we rejoin you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Who's Talking? This is D.G. Martin. My guests are Gary Pierce, a Democratic consultant, very respected, and our other guest is a Republican consultant, Carter Wren, also very much respected and lots of experience. And Carter, uh, you didn't even interrupt Gary while he was preaching about uh, the and persuading me that the flow of politics in North Carolina next year is going to be Democratic. And uh, do you agree? I think it's up in the air. Um, you know, when I talk about rivers, my my belief is that politics, people at the top of politics, uh, don't f- form or lead or shape politics. They reflect what they think people want to hear. And I'll give you an example of a river. Uh, I graduated from college just before we lost the Vietnam War. And uh, the dominant group in the population then were World War II veterans, people that had grown up during the Depression and been through World War II. And when they saw Russian tanks rolling into Saigon and watched all those refugees clinging to helicopter skids escaping, they were shocked and they thought we could lose the Cold War to the Soviet Union. And that created a political river. Fear is usually the thing that creates rivers. And the fear of losing the Cold War created a political river. And you could see it in polls. And that river elected Ronald Reagan. It was just that simple. And so uh, a little more. This was in his first presidential run. Well, Reagan first ran in 75, right after Saigon fell. And he ran against Ford, and he lost narrow in the Republican Republican primary. Yeah, and then Jimmy Carter was elected, and people watched over the next four years the Soviet Union expand. More and more nations fell and became communist, and the fear and the shock grew, and that river grew and became stronger, so that in 1980 Reagan is elected. So my whole point here is it's the rivers uh, that create leaders, and leaders reflect. And Reagan reflected that river. He was a World War II veteran, felt the same fear. Now, I think what's happened here is that Washington, over the years after we won the Cold War, uh, and this is an old story in American government, it became corrupt. Uh, the corporations, special interest groups, basically uh, controlled Congress. They got favors and special things. And there were a lot of people out there, working people, who didn't fare so well during that system. 
And that almost created another river of populists. And the thing that went wrong for them was Trump comes along and they pick Trump as their leader. And, and Gary's right. I think Trump's biggest vice is the lies. And I don't understand why that doesn't kill him with more people. But he turned what could have been a river that would have done some good into a political mess. And so in the Republican Party today, the question is, do we keep Trump and stay in the mess or do we move on? And I don't know how that's going to come out. You just can't tell. And if we end up with a Biden-Trump choice again, well, I think Biden wins again because the independents, very negative to Biden, very negative to Trump, but they're more negative to Trump. And so you see what happened in 18, 20, and 22 repeats itself. If the Republicans move on and pick a, a somebody that's more honest and sure reflects the rivers better, uh, I think they could beat Biden. But we don't know how that's going to come out yet. Well, as a Republican, and take off your consultant hats and put on your partisan, you know, partisan politics hat. And uh, do you think there's any chance that Trump uh, could lose this uh, tremendous advantage that he has in the polls today? Well, you remember after the 22 election when Republicans lost, and DeSantis won. DeSantis actually led Trump in Republican primary polls nationally at that point. And he led, then, he, he led Trump in the presidential or in each presidential, of yeah, uh, presidential primary polls. Then uh, Trump immediately announced and went to hammer DeSantis, and DeSantis didn't respond for six months. And then all of a sudden it flips over and Trump is ahead by a lot. But there was a poll from Reuters uh, the, uh, yes, a couple of days ago after the indictment. And it showed Trump had dropped 10 points in the primary. So I think when you look at a Republican primary, what you see is um, a third of the voters that love Trump. They're crazy about him. They're Trumpsters. And then you've got uh, 20% that don't like Trump are going to vote against him. And the rest, they sort of say, well, he's okay, but they really want somebody new. And the question is, do they end up staying with Trump or do they go in another direction? And that's the question we don't know the answer to. And, that group is it's going to decide the primary. And if it's Trump, then we're in a tough spot for the general election. If, if it's somebody else, then we've got a good shot at winning because Biden is not popular. He's just less unpopular than Trump. Right. Uh, let, let's get Gary to weigh in on this. Gary, do you agree with Carter on his assessment? Of Republican politics, I do. I just um, 
I don't know if Republicans can escape Trump. I, I look at all these candidates and I wonder who's got what it takes to beat him because you, they've got a tough choice. And you, and you watch all these candidates and you watch this dance they do. <clears throat> I mean, some of them, you know, they, well, they want to defend Trump and I'll pardon Trump if I'm president. Um, and so they sort of buy into that. And then you got a couple of them, I guess, Chris Christie and um, and uh, Asa Hutchinson, I mean, is what, maybe 2% in the polls, who were willing to take him on. But if they take him on, they automatically lose Carter, what, 30, 35%? Yeah, sure. Republican vote. And so as long as it's just like in 2016, as long as Trump has a divided field, he beats them. The whole question here, and this goes back, it goes back to our river and all that. It, it's, it's really, I, I look at it a little bit differently from how Carter does, because, yeah, it is the river, but it's who reads the river best, who is the best swimmer, who is best able to sense the current, and who is genuinely in tune with where the current has going. I mean, you look at every president who's represented sort of a fundamental change in the country, Kennedy in 60, um, you know, Carter, but just to an extent in 76, certainly Reagan in 80. They, they read where the country was going. They represented where people wanted to go. Obama represented something in 2008. There was a reaction against it against Bush and the whole financial situation and the wars. But then Trump was a reaction to Obama. Uh, I asked Carter back in 2016, or maybe after the election, Carter, to explain Trump to me. Uh, how, you know, what is it about Trump that attracts so much people? He had a very simple answer. He said he's fighting the people they hate. And, and and a lot of that is race and culture and, you know, these um, gender differences and things that, that people are social changes that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. And Trump captured that. So, But I think now we're still in a Trump reaction phase. Uh, again, I come back to what's different about Trump and every former president is he still dominates the stage. Uh, it was like... Gary, uh, this Italian political figure, Berlusconi, Berlusconi yeah. passed away last weekend. Uh, he had, he was a miracle in terms of everybody would agree he was not a good leader, but the people loved him. People of uh, Italy loved him and kept, every time he would uh, go down, people would uh, get behind him and resurrect him, and he lasted for a long time. Maybe Trump can do the same thing. Well, I don't think he can. I think, I think Trump maybe could win a Republican nomination, and Carter certainly knows that better than I do. I, I, but, I, you know, you can't beat somebody with nobody. You've got to have somebody who's tough enough and strong enough, smart yeah. enough, to take Trump on and beat him. But if Trump's the nominee, I, I don't think there's much of any chance. I think we, of course, we all said this in 2016, but I think it's worse now. I just think people are tired of this. They're ready to move on from it. And they said, Maybe the Republican Party is not. Um, I hate to break this up, but I I got to take a break. We'll come back and continue the discussion with Carter Wren and Gary Pierce. Uh, 
and uh, and this is DG Martin with Who's Talking. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is DG Martin. I'm visiting with uh, Gary Pierce and uh, Carter Wren, uh, each of whom have strong views about the role of uh, Donald Trump in uh, American politics. Uh, Gary, before I interrupted you, you were trying to explain being consistent with Carter Wren's river analogy of uh, the smart politicians try to read the river and follow where the river is going. Uh, Those who don't uh, sometimes have to pay a high price. Is Trump, Gary Pierce, do you think Trump is trying to read a river or is there something else that's guiding him? Well, you know, Trump knows one trick, um, which is to sort of summon up all this hate people feel for the way things are. And um, he's never going to change. And, and it's, it's, it's ego, it's narcissism, it's all about him, it's not about the country. And I just think that's out of tune with where the country is. But I think, I think people are ready to move on from Trump. They're tired of the Trump show. Well, let me ask Carter. Carter, is it is that right that people don't like Trump anymore? It looks to me like he has a passionate following who are going with him wherever he wherever he wants to uh, take us or to go by himself. Well, you've got to uh, split the world into three pieces: they're Democrats, they're Independents, they're Republicans. And Trump has a passionate following among a third of the Republicans. Independents don't like him. Democrats hate him. Uh, so, he, But he has enough of a following. He has an edge in a primary. Now, uh, let's go back and talk a little history. I remember watching the first Trump debate in 2016 in the primary. And you had 10 candidates on the stage, and I was listening to them, and every one of them talked like a politician. They used the standard modulated phrases and the political languages, except Trump. And I thought, well, there's one guy up there that's not a politician. And that's what a lot of people wanted in a Republican primary then. They wanted to get somebody who was not a politician. And Trump latched on to that river, and it carried him into the presidency. Because when he was running against Hillary, it was the same choice. One's a politician, one's not. Now, he's now got you know six years, seven years of history behind him, and people see the flaws in the showman. Now, among Republicans, there's a piece that still hates the politicians so much they love Trump. But a lot of people are looking for a third choice. And somebody, this is counter political wisdom. You took a poll that would tell you don't do this. But if there is a candidate in a Republican primary, they'll stand up to Trump head on and take him head on and face him and fight him, they might upturn the apple cart and win. If nobody does that, then with his third of the vote, he's going to pick up a piece of the rest and win. 
if somebody does it, he could collapse. But the second problem in the primary is, say, there's 65 percent, 70 percent of the voters that are willing to not vote for Trump. If they get split up six ways, he wins again. That's a problem. But uh, the counterintuitive thing is, is the way to win is not to say, uh, I'm going to be like Trump, just a little different and try to get his people to like me. They got to take him out. I think Chris Christie is right about that. Uh, they got to go straight at him. It's got to be a, a man on man face face off that gives people a choice. And uh, beyond that, then you get into the general election. And if we're running another showman against Biden, then it doesn't work out well. Well, Carter, this is different from my experience. The my friends who are uh, Republicans who had to bite their lips a little bit to vote for him say, I didn't like him. But I tell you, it's a contest in this country about what values we've got. And I I thought he did a great job standing up for my values. And I don't like him, but he did that, and I'm going to continue to vote for him. I mean, don't you have some friends who say that? Sure. And it's, it's a rationalization uh, for voting for a candidate that tells lies. And I think that the lies are the devastating thing. And I, I think that if you look at the independent voters, they have decided they have to choose between a politician and a showman who tells lies. I'm going with the politician. The um, adoration with which uh, that, that comes out when Trump has a rally is, to me, very pers- per- persuasive that he is an extraordinary figure in American politics. I don't think if you had, I can't think of another political figure in America who could, uh, you know, pack the stadiums as the way Donald Trump does with enthusiastic people. Well, that's all. Um, I don't know what the way to describe it is an illusion. Uh, how many people go to rallies Uh, Last week, they had the Republican convention in Greensboro. And there were 1,800 people there. And that is, you know, 7 million voters, 1,800 people. It's it's a tiny fraction of the world. And if you have a rally and you have 10,000 people there, it doesn't really reflect the political world. It reflects people that go to rallies. So I don't think that is a good measurement. Rallies or conventions or activists are a good measure of the voters. And so I think that, you know, it's sort of like the TV, uh, cable TV channels. Um, They all sell to an audience. Now, they're all looking for a 1% or 2% rating, and they're selling to an audience of people and tell them what they want to hear to get that rating. Yeah, that, but, Carter, i got to interrupt you. I mean, you're right on point, but we've got about a minute more, and I want yeah. Gary to be able to sure, very succinctly summarize his feelings about our discussion and where we are now. Well, it's all about Trump, you know, and it has been about Trump. And the great irony is Trump got elected 
because the FBI director announced that they, 11 days before the election in 2016, he was going to investigate whether Hillary Clinton had classified information on her private email server. And now here we are, uh, seven years later, with a former president indicted for federal crimes of misusing classified information. And, and so I, I think, that, you know, the real thing in this country is we're tired of this and we're ready to move on. And yeah, he's got his following of passionate followers who will show up and it's sort of like a rock, you know, a rock tour, an old aging rock star. The fans will come back and watch him 10 and 20 times. But I As think people in North Carolina are ready to move on. I appreciate y'all's uh, controversy and Right now, we're getting to the nut of it, but we do have to stop. Will you guys come back? Sure. We'll continue the conversation in a month or two. In the meantime, thanks to both Carter Wren and to Gary Pierce for helping us understand the political situation today. This is D.G. Martin, who's talking. I'll be back here before you know it.